Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I want to talk about realigning your life to God's dream. We would say, what, what's God's dream? And maybe we would use a scripture, you know, that says that, that none would perish, that all would come to repentance, that Christ would be formed in us, right? That, that we would mature and understand who we are and get back to what normal is, how God created us, and even greater because of redemption. But I really believe that the enemy wants to destroy our alignment with God's dreams and plans for our lives. I want to read this scripture from Job 17, 11. He said, my days have passed. My plans are shattered. This is a new King James version. Yet the desires of my heart turn night into day. In the face of darkness, light is near. If the only hope, only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father and to the worm, my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? And when I read that, I kind of felt like some of us feel that way at times when we don't see our dreams being fulfilled. When we don't see things that we expected them to work out in a certain way, maybe a vision we've had, a desire we've had, not coming about, not having the finances, not having the breakthrough, and we wait. These three years have seemed so long. I'm like, Lord, do we get a house in the States? No. <laughs> what do we do? We give up our house in the Philippines. We gave away all our furniture, and it's been two years now. What's the sense of running a house you can't live in? All of our personal belongings, the team over there packed up and they put at our ministry building. All along, we're like nomads. Everywhere we go, we're, we're staying in different places. You know, a church in central Florida amazingly said, we have a house you guys can use while you're here. And we haven't had to pay anything for it. Of course, we've blessed them as, as we've been able to uh, in traveling. But we'll stay there two months. We'll travel three months. Abby's been able to stay there and go to school and all those things. That's been amazing. But it still wasn't a sense of where God's called us to be. It still feels like we're living out of our luggage. I, I think it was Brad the other day said, when you get to the Philippines, I bet you're going to take those luggages and just want to have a, a bonfire, you know? A couple of them I do because they've been annoying. The wheels are broken and the zippers. And... Anyway, as much as we would like to settle down somewhere and do whatever I guess is normal for most folks, it hasn't felt like we've been allowed to do that. I have no desire like for just anything as far as things. Just give us what we need so we can function and preach the gospel. 
That's really it. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual and make it sound like if you have a nine to five job and you're working hard to pay off your house and stuff, that that's not, I believe that's just as much God as what we do. I really do. Is everybody called to go overseas? No. Are we all called to be missionaries? Yes. In whatever capacity God has called us to, what radius that we live in and what, whatever it looks like, I, I, I get that. But I, I really believe God's called us to be pioneers. I really believe we're called to go not only win the loss, but develop leaders and to help people rise up and go out and just keep doing that. It's really not that difficult to us because when you find out your identity and purpose, you can function no matter where you are. And the dreams that God's given us were always so big and seemed so out of reach. And so when I was reading in Job, we know that Job lost his family, except his wife and his things. And, and there was so much drastic change in his life. I'm not comparing my life to Job, but I am saying that sometimes we experience loss and we experience challenges in life and we don't know what to do with it. And our dreams, not only on a shelf anymore, but it seems like they've fallen off a cliff and it's impossible to get back to them. But Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. All of us have confessed that scripture at different times that we don't know how it's going to happen, but we just have to believe it's going to happen. Before Israel could dream of being at home again in Jerusalem, they went through Babylon because before their dream became a reality. Look in Psalm 137, starting in verse 1. It says, by the rivers of Babylon. This is when they were taken out as slaves now in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Have you ever just wept over loss? Over, Lord, I expected things to go this way. I expected to marry this person. That didn't happen. I expected this business, this job to work out. I expected these people to be like this and, and for you to do this for me, whatever it might be. I know there's been many times that I've wept, Lord, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. But we're going to be faithful to you in the middle of it. We're not going to give up. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. You ever hear the enemy and your ear make fun of your dreams? That's ridiculous. Never going to do that. That'll never happen. Look where you came from. Your family situation at home. You, you were adopted. You know, there, there's all kinds of things he whispers in our ears. You, you don't have the education somebody else has. You don't have the charisma that somebody else. You don't have this or that. How can we sing the songs of Zion while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, if I forget you, the Philippines, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. In other words, it's not just about the place and the people. It's about fulfilling the purpose and the dream that God has for our life. I heard Oswald Chambers say the motivation for why we serve the Lord is not what's in front of us, but what's behind us. It's not just all the great things that we get will be in eternity in heaven with God and it's going to be awesome. But it's the bloody cross behind us that Jesus endured, that we look at it 
And that's our motivation for why we do what we do. Because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves, And now he asks us to do what he did. Maybe we won't die a physical death on a cross like he did, but he invites us to take up our cross and follow him. Why? The purpose of just dying? No, it's the purpose of living. Because when you come on the other side of the cross, that's where we truly live. And when we die to our flesh and we die to our desires, even if they be good desires, the Lord wants us to walk in sync with him. He wants us to keep in step with his spirit. He wants us to be looking into his fiery eyes each and every day. That song was messing me up today about the eyes of God. Every time I think about the eyes of God and that we get to look into his eyes when we close our eyes, when we pray, when we think about Revelation, it says he has fire in his eyes. That he's a man who's burning and we should be burning as well. Verse 7, remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Kill those dreams. May you never experience what God started in you. That's what the enemy wants to derail us and keep us from moving forward in what God's purpose is for our life. And why does God give us a dream? Because it requires faith. It's something that only he can do. It's not this pie in the sky thing that we just think about all the time and think, yeah, that would be great. No, it's something that we set our eyes upon him that he reveals to us. And then we say, I don't know how that's going to happen, Lord, but I'm going to stand and be faithful until it comes to pass. Tear it down, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Now he's not saying that God is happy when something like that happens to anybody else other than Jewish people. But he's saying our dreams were, were destroyed because of our enemy. And we want our enemies to be destroyed by the God we serve and who gave us these dreams. In January this year, I was just in a place of prayer and the Lord gave me I guess you would call it a vision, just a moment where I was in prayer and I was reading in Exodus about the account of the burning bush. So, uh, so much so, I actually created another 30-day devotional uh, called How to Become a Burning Bush. The vision was I was in the tree that was on fire with God, looking at Moses walking towards us. And if Maybe you're like me. Every time you've read that story, you must have thought about what it must have been like for Moses as he's approaching this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. You know, every time an angel or, or somebody would appear like that, we always hear him say, what? You know, fear not. So there's this awe of God. This is not just an, an angel. This is God in this fire that's burning and Moses is slowly walking towards us. He's been out of Egypt for 40 years now. He ran away because he killed someone. He thought he was doing a God a favor. He tried to fulfill his dream his way instead of doing it God's way. And then now he's on the backside of a desert for 40 years. He gets married, life changes and everything else. But God still comes back and he has this plan and this dream for Moses' life. 
And while he's in that burning bush, I was with God. I, I felt the heartbeat of God saying, he didn't say it to Moses, but his desire was for Moses to understand that as in all that you feel about looking at this burning bush and all this right now, I want you to know that I want you to become the burning bush. I want you to be the one who's on fire, who doesn't burn up. When, when we're on fire for God, he doesn't just burn away our personality and the desires that we have. In fact, the dream that he gives to our lives, he actually creates it just for you and me. And I know there's lots of books out there about dreaming again and all those things, but I don't believe that God just gives us a dream that is for us to just fulfill, but it's part of his overall plans of redemption for the world, for the lost to be saved, to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. God gave Paul a dream and a vision. In Acts 16, it says in verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. God loves to speak through dreams and visions. And this was not something Paul was looking for. Paul was willing to go wherever God wanted him to go. And sometimes God won't speak to you what he wants you to hear unless you're first willing to go in that direction of where he's leading you. And it might not be the most comfortable ride. It might be a place that feels like a wilderness. But he's a God of the impossible. So if we don't believe him in impossible situations, how are we going to believe him for impossible situations in the lives of other people? This scripture passage has been instrumental at several different times of our lives. When we first moved to the Philippines, I was feeling like the Philippines was a Macedonian call. Come over and help us. And we concluded immediately, that's where we're supposed to go. And then after being in the Philippines for a year, in 2004, we had a team from Japan come. You remember Junko? Maybe some of those guys, uh, Ariel, uh, Stigal, and different ones. They were serving in Japan, and Japan is less than 1% Christian. It's very hard, mostly Buddhism and atheism. I thought, well, Lord, we just got to the Philippines. We're, we're like barely making it here. And financially, it was a great struggle. We're supposed to be getting in like at that time about $1,500 a month. We were getting like $320 a month and our rent was $350. I don't even know how it, how it happened. And at the end of the year, we come to the point where we realized that the $2,000 that each of the five families that we moved there with paid immigration with was not paid for our fees and taken care of the way that we thought it was. And at the end of the year, we came back to immigration for our annual report you have to do once a year. And we found out that that money never got to where it was supposed to go. And each one of the families was now having to pay that money again, plus another $2,000 each in fines for each family. It wasn't the most welcoming situation. We're there to serve as missionaries. Don't you guys understand? Well, that don't work with immigration. And at the end of the year, God challenges us. We go back to the States. He provides the money we need. We go back to the Philippines. And here we are. We're being faced with God saying, I want you to go to Japan now. In fact, I want you to go to Japan next month after a team was visiting us. I said, next month? Lord, I, that was my response, literally thinking next month, how, how are we going to do this? 
And I just read Paul's Macedonian call again. So I had this issue already with the Philippines and we're in the Philippines. Now he's speaking in the Philippines about going to Japan. And so I said, okay, Lord, within two weeks, $5,000 comes in. I don't even know where it all came from. And I think it came between two and three people. And I'm just amazed by it. We, we take our first missions trip and we only had uh, the two girls at the time and Jonathan was you know, in the womb at that time. Now he's 17 and six foot four. I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that when we go to the Philippines because he's gonna be on my team for basketball all the time, brother. And so we get there, God moves powerfully. We actually have... $2,000 left over from that 5000 And I'm talking about fulfilling dreams as you go, and you don't know how these things are going to happen. A brother in the Lord named Vincenzo in Sicily, the, a city called Jela. He was in one of my fire school ministry revival classes when I went to Sicily in 2017 and 18. They had a small school there, and I was invited to come teach. And he would drive an hour and a half just to come one way to the meeting. And I didn't know who he was. And there were about maybe 15 plus students in the class. And one day I just, well, I think I was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all this spirit of prophecy broke out. So I'm praying and prophesying over everybody I could. And this guy I get to, and apparently he recorded what was said over him. And I didn't know that. And I didn't remember what I said over him. In 2019, up until that point, he had been playing that prophetic word over himself almost weekly. And it was about going to the nations. And he had a desire to go help children in other countries. So he said, I want to come to the Philippines first and see what you guys do and ask you to pray for us. And he brought two other people with him, one who was a translator because he spoke no English and another young lady who got saved six months before out of a lesbian lifestyle. And she was just on fire. She's actually getting married in June and wants us to come to her wedding. So they come in 2019, August of 2019, were with us for two weeks, a part of the feeding program and all the stuff going on. They go back to Italy. We come to the States in 2020 and I don't hear anything from Vincenzo for a while. Five months ago, he said, I was woken up in the middle of the night and the Lord said to ask Eric to come to Sicily to stir the church for revival. It was another Macedonian call thing. Come over and help us. And I'm thinking, wow. He, he says, would you come? And I said, yeah. You know, I twist my arm. I'm ready to get out of this country. I love America. But call the nations. They said, we'll pay for you in Casey's tickets. And that's not normal neither. I said, praise the Lord. I, and then the Lord says, bring your three kids. I'm like, well... I'm going to bring my three kids. Is that okay? I said, don't worry about the money. We'll believe God for it. Within like a month, a small church of like 25 people in the western part of Pennsylvania heard about that we were going to Italy and said God spoke to them to pay for our three kids tickets. And so we go to Italy and we're there for two weeks in Sicily. We have 20 meetings in two weeks. I have a picture book out there if you want to look at it later. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are getting saved. I'm like, Lord, that's all we want to do. And they said, we want you to come back next year around September, October. We're going to have two other brothers come and you're going to do another revival gathering conference, whatever it is. And, and we leave, but here, here's where I'm getting at on the Macedonian call thing. We flew out of Charlotte 
because when we came back, we were going to have the Fire International Missions Conference. And while we're getting off the plane, the family who's picking us up that we're going to stay with in Charlotte, they bring us back to their house. We've stayed with them many times over the years. On the couch in the bedroom of where we're staying, they have a colored drawing. And it's something that I gave them over 15 years ago when they came to the Philippines. And it's a Filipino with his hands out like this, and he's dressed in tribal garb. It's specifically the Matitsalug tribe. And then there's a person, you see the back of their head looking at this individual, and it was a Macedonian call. And they had that sitting on the chair that I gave them 15 years ago as we came back from the airport that night from Italy. And the Lord said, you're going back to the Philippines. So I looked up tickets. Two to three thousand dollars one way. I said, that's not God's will. <laughs> so the five of us, the three youngest, me and Casey, we're gonna fly together. We were looking at the November 28, and I could not find tickets. I looked flying out of Orlando, out of Tampa, out of fly, driving up to Atlanta. What what do we need to do? Everything was super expensive. And then I don't know why, I looked at Sarasota, Florida flying out of Sarasota. It's like an hour, hour and a half maybe from us. There were one-way tickets for the five of us for $4,500. And on the airlines we wanted to go on, not like, you know, Bubba Airlines, you know, that you change with 13 different airlines and your wife hates you when you get off the plane. It would have been better to just take a ship. And then we had to get tickets for Abby and Sierra, which their tickets were about the same amount as our five tickets. So we got the tickets and we're going back at that point and I believe it's gonna be a Macedonian call thing. Right before we left in September for Italy, there was a, a Christian businessman that I never met, but I met two years ago through a friend. You remember Scott Brown from Brownsville, the shofar guy? He really felt we were supposed to connect. And this guy used to be Mike Pence's campaign director from when he was a governor. He connected us. We're doing Zoom calls for a couple years. He's got a real awesome business mindset. Just talking to us, really loves our stories and all the testimonies. And so in September, he says, look, I know you're going to Italy and there's a good chance you'll probably leave for the Philippines by the end of this year. I'm going to buy a ticket and fly out there to Tampa. And I'm going to pick up my buddy who's really into real estate and all these things. And we're going to come spend three days with you. It's like, wow, awesome. So we're just, they want to know about us. They want to know about what we're doing and all these things. And while we're sitting there at dinner, it was just me and the two guys. I get a phone call from that church in Western Pennsylvania. And they said, hey, we want to pay for your three tickets. And I look at them, I go, I just got the kids tickets paid for. You know, and they're like, holy cow, this is amazing, you know. And we're talking, we're meeting, we're praying together and all these things. And then he asked me a question that I don't remember many people asking me. And he said, Eric, what is your dream? And I had to sit back a minute because I thought, well, my dream doesn't feel like it's coming to pass. It feel like it was right in front of me and we were seeing things happen and I'm, and I'm still very thankful. That's what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. But what is your dream? Just say it. And I said, I want to actually start a dream center in Davao. 
Because in Agdal, where people make maybe $20 a week, and they're very poor, you can feed people, you can clothe them, you can minister to them, they'll cry at the altar and all these great things, but very little will change in their lives for the most part. And we need something bigger. And we've always had this desire, but just how do we do that? And so I told him, I said, I would love to have a center in our city, right in Agdow. And I, want, I would like to have a place where we have not only a church meets there, but fire school meets there. We have a school for kids and we have opportunities where people can learn how to make money, start small businesses and do whatever needs to be done to not just meet needs, but to train people and equip them in that area so that their lives and their families can be transformed. I know people who've lived in Agdow for decades, their families have. They've been poor for decades. There's nobody in their family who's made money. There's been no hope. There's suicide. There's all kinds of pain and suffering that we look at. And while I'm happy people pray a prayer to receive Jesus and they're going to church and they get water baptized, I'm still unsatisfied because, Lord, I feel like there's so much more that you could do. So I told him about this dream center. I was talking to Pauline, the one in the video, as the administrator for our ministry. And I said, what does Agdow actually mean? She said, Agdow is a plant medicine used to cure convulsions. In the Bogobo tribe, in Davao, it means elder. And she said, for me, it's a land of broken dreams. She had no idea of me talking about a dream center. She said, I for me, it's a land of broken dreams. People resort to living in Agdow because they're poor. Even the area starts to progress, but people are still in a poor mindset. And with that mindset, they live off of whatever help they can get. And I prayed, and I had a picture of an elder placing this healing plant upon a child to release healing. And I believe God wants to use that dream center as a place where broken people are healed and forgotten dreams are revived. I believe that's where we're headed. We'll go to one more scripture here. I'm almost finished. Psalm 126. Psalm 137 was when the Jews, the Israelites were taking to Babylon. And now Psalm 126 is when they come back to Jerusalem. Psalm 126 verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. We were like those who dreamed, those who had joy again, that they were able to see what had been in their hearts and what they dreamed about for years. Our mouths were filled with laughter. I want to see laughter in Agdal. Our tongues with songs of joy, not laughter because they're drunk and they're singing at their karaoke machines all night long. To me, that could be considered happiness, but real joy of the Lord is something that comes from a heart that's been transformed by the power of the gospel. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O oh God, like the streams in the Negev. Restore our dreams again, O oh God, for revival, for awakening, for the kingdom of heaven being established in America for the waking up of what only you can do, for the churches being stirred and being set ablaze once again, Lord God. 
Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I believe there's people here today that have broken dreams. Uh, And maybe you haven't told anybody. And and, and I'm not saying because it's a broken dream that you've just given up all hope. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But whatever God has given you a desire for, I'm not talking about the dream of of just making money and and being successful and having a nice family and all that. That's that's important. Uh, What is the kingdom vision, kingdom dream that something only God could fulfill in and through your life? Maybe it does include some of those things. But what is what God is burning for? I believe God's looking for people who will dream for him, who who will be intercessors on this earth who will say we will never give up. And no matter how hard we're fought against, no matter what's taken away, no matter how hell comes against us, no matter what type of persecution we endure, we will be faithful to you because you are worthy and you are our motivation. You are the reason why we get up in the morning and we do the same thing over and over and over again because our vision is of Jesus and nothing else. And what you could do is so much bigger than what we could dream or conjure up within our own ability. Lord, you are wonderful. And you are worthy. You are worthy of us laying everything down for. You are worthy of me laying my wife, my children, my dreams, my vision, ministry, everything. I lay it down before you. Like Keith Green, we say, we pledge our heads to heaven. There is nobody like you. Our motivation is not to be well known. Our motivation is not to uh, just promote success before other people, but it's to make you famous. We are jealous for your name. Listen, if you feel like you have had broken dreams or that it's just been on pause and you don't know what to do with, just lift your hands a moment. I just want to pray over you. Father, you see these dreams and these dreams are tied to their DNA. There's purpose that you have for them that's a part of this community that's a part of your kingdom being established here on the earth. These things might seem impossible, doing them by themselves or with men, but with you, nothing is impossible. And Lord, as we're in a place of believing God for our lives to be realigned with your dreams and what you have called us into in this life, God, I believe that how we fulfill our dreams is actually fulfilling your dream. And as we fulfill your dream, we're gonna see the others be encouraged and find hope. Or the people in Agdal, the other people that we know, our neighbors, our family members, the ones who are broken and so messed up, bound by drugs and alcohol and sex addiction and, and all kinds of garbage in this life. May we be light, may we be salt not only of people who say we love you, but they see your hand working in and through our lives. Lord God, I believe there are many seeds that have been planted in people over the years that have gone out and have planted more seeds. 
And Lord, your kingdom grows because you're in control. You are the head of the church and all we want to do is your will. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.